Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And this week's theme is a very special listener picks. Yes. So we had a couple of listeners write in to us and suggest some cases. And and if you have suggested cases to us, we will get to them. Um, there's only so many hours in the, in a week. But this week, we focused on, we each took one on. And I think they're going to be really good cases that you guys are going to, um, well, I hate to use the word enjoy, but... I think you're going to learn a lot from them, and they're both unsolved. Yeah, that's... Part of mine is solved that we're going to do, but the her body has never been found. So that was the reason oh, why I picked okay. that one, is because I want the conversation to keep going, and I know yours is unsolved. It is unsolved, and I also... I really want to keep this case alive. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So that is our goal for today, and... Well, for this week, actually, for our theme this week. I'm going to let Amber take over because this is her case. All right. It was actually a friend that recommended this. I mean, we had various people writing in, but close friend has been following this case for many years. Did she give us permission to use her name? She didn't. I almost did a name drop. And oh, okay. I, I don't know if we should or shouldn't. Heather, thank you. We'll just use first name. <laughs> yes, yes. You know who you are. She does. <laughs> it's not like she has an. Un- it's not like her name's Charnel. Right. <laughs> yep. There's many we could Heather's. Be talking about any Heather. So, yep. Heather's been following this case for many years, and she is the one that told told me about this because it does pull you in. I'm not gonna lie. As soon as I started researching it, I was I was in. Okay. I think these unsolved ones are the most difficult because you just want those answers. Mm-hmm. One of my first thoughts when I started was, Charnel, we're going to Florida. Pack your bags. She did say We got to solve this case. Yes. And actually, I am going to Florida at some point in the near future. And she was like, well, I'm sorry. Your husband can no longer come. I did try to make other arrangements for him. But... I, I let him know that you're now taking his spot. Oh, so... okay. I'm sure he'll understand. It's for the business. It's it's, yes, it's going to happen. Yes. And... It's for this case. Yes. If the beach happens too, so be it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Listen to me. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm coming. <laughs> Okay, so this case some may be familiar with. I wasn't I'm originally. Not at all. I, I've heard the name, but I never really, um, I guess, researched it. The case we're going to talk about today is Jennifer Cassie. I want to start out by talking about Jennifer herself, okay. who she was, and then we'll get into the details of what has happened. This case is about 15 years old. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Let's start with Jennifer. Jennifer was born in New Jersey on May 20th of 1981 to Drew and Joyce Cassie. She was very beautiful. I don't know if you've seen pictures yet. I've seen pictures. She's gorgeous. She's so pretty. Blonde hair, green eyes. Um, She was only 24 at the time. And I watched a 48-hour special on the case and also the Fox News podcast that just came out um, last November oh, okay. in 2020. Okay. So in both of these series, you can just get a sense of how loved Jennifer was mm-hmm. and how good her life was going before yeah. this happened. Her parents, they're both amazing people. They're 
they sound like yet? If they're still fighting after this yes. many years, they have both made guest appearances on the the podcast and the Forty Eight Hours. Anybody that wants to dive into the the case, this both of those are really good resources. So, according to Jennifer's mom, Jennifer was really good at her job, and she had just gotten a promotion. She was a finance manager for a timeshare investment company, and she had a degree in finance as well. Again, all the things that I yeah good at finances at twenty four. No, not so much. And Jennifer had also just bought her first condo on her own, so she was living her best life. Yeah. In the Fox News podcast, Jennifer's dad talks about how genuine she was. She wasn't fake, and her dad said that Jennifer had no problems telling it like it is or calling people out. And he quoted, because we're from New Jersey and that's what we do. So it sounds like they were a pretty, you know, upfront family. They all were that way, very close-knit, but very tell-it-like-it-is. Right. And you can kind of get a sense when you see them Mm -hmm. um, talking. They they just seem like great people. Mm -hmm. And I will speak consistently throughout this case about the family because they're just just a powerful force in this case. Good. We love a good family support system. So Jennifer's mom described her. I I love this. She referred to her as a car pig because apparently Jennifer's <laughs> car was really messy. Same girl. And this, same. yeah, I was like my soul sister here. Right. <laughs> I am also a car pig. Uh, apparently Jennifer's condo was nice and tidy, but mm-hmm. her car was like a mess all the time. Literally my life. Yep. Yeah, I am a I am a car pig through and through. I'll just say that. Jennifer also had a boyfriend at the time named Rob Allen, and she was getting really serious with him. The couple had been dating about a year, and even though it was a long-distance relationship, it was going very well. Jennifer was in love. Aww. So, I and love, love. and it, he speaks so highly of her in all of the interviews that I've seen. I mean, he adored her. So. Was he ever a person of interest? So he was briefly I'm sure because I think naturally, mm-hmm. yes, they they looked at him briefly, but I'll get into the the details of I mean, he was cleared pretty quickly okay. in the case. That's good. She had actually just gotten back from vacation with him the weekend before she disappeared. Mm-hmm. They had gotten back on that Sunday. She stayed the night with him. Go, she drove to work in the morning. I think he lived about an hour or two hours away from her. Oh, okay. So she went into work Sunday, or I'm sorry, she went into work Monday, and then uh, to that Tuesday is when she had disappeared. Okay. So she'd literally just gotten back from a trip with him. Okay, so now I'm going to dive into the, the disappearance. Okay. So Jennifer was last seen leaving work on January 23rd, 2006 at 6 p.m., And one of the things that I learned about Jennifer from hearing her family speak about her is that she was very safe and cautious all the time. So when she went to work, she called her boyfriend or one of her parents. She was always checking in. And when she got out of work, she would call and and check in as well. So she was in constant communication with a family member, a boyfriend. Um, She was close with her brother also. She had talked to her father when she was driving home from work that night. And then she talked to her boyfriend around 10 p.m., And those were the last phone calls that Jennifer ever made. It's reported that someone had knocked on the door that night while she was on the phone with her boyfriend, but Jennifer never ended up answering the door. And it's uncertain, but suspected that this person could have been a person of interest in the case, Okay, but they've never 
figured out who that was. And I'm sure they got that information from her boyfriend. Who yes, was like, who was on the last, phone. Yeah, on my last conversation with her, she said someone was at the door. Right. Okay. On the morning of January 24th, 2006, no one had heard from Jennifer. She didn't come into work, and that was very unusual. She was punctual. She didn't miss work. Her boss started to wonder what was going on when he didn't hear anything, because at the very least, if something was happening where she was running late, she would have called. Right. So he starts to to call her. It's going straight to voicemail. So he becomes concerned about mid-morning, and he decides sure. to call Jennifer's father. Oh, okay. And so he explains what's going on, that he hasn't heard from Jennifer. He had asked if they had heard from Jennifer, and they hadn't. Jennifer's dad immediately calls her, and he said, you know, if she was going to answer the phone for anybody, it would have been him, because they had a family rule ever since they got cell phones that if a parent's calling, you answer, you answer that phone. Even if you're 24 yeah. years old. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. And so he, he said that, you know, she always answered for one of the parents calling. Mm-hmm. So Jennifer's dad calls her and it goes straight to voicemail again. And he reports that he knew immediately something was wrong, oh. like that quickly. He felt that it. gut feeling. Yep. If you want to talk about that parental bond, these mm. parents had it. Mm. He knew immediately. Mm-hmm. And so they were on their way. Um, they lived about two hours from Jennifer at the time. Oh, okay. He grabbed Jennifer's mom. He called Jennifer's brother and was like, you need to call. Oh, wow. Something's Even wrong. Imme- that Immediately. Fast. Okay. Yes. They I were really like on their way. I need to stop saying, oh, I'm just sitting here staring at you like so into this. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. No, it's such an intense case. Yeah. And because I she was literally, it seemingly was just taken right out of her freaking bed. Is that what you're telling me? I, I'm, we're, we're not sure. We're not sure. And I'll get into the, the Sorry, details. I'm just That's okay. I'm That's so into this. There's more. There's okay. more. When I read that, it was like, oh my gosh. I mean, they were on the road instantly. And to call her brother. Mm-hmm. I mean, my mom is a worry wart, but I don't think she'd call my siblings and immediately be like, meet me here. Yeah. Something as soon wrong. as the phone was going straight to voicemail, they were like, and this is the gone. woman that contacts my husband immediately if I haven't responded to a text in what she feels like is a reasonable time frame of 35 seconds. <laughs> now you can appreciate <laughs> your mom's concerns. <laughs> I do. <laughs> On the way to the to Jennifer's condo, they're calling hospitals. They're wow. calling the police. They're looking Damn, for, good for accidents them. reported. Like they were on oh. this case. So they also, before they arrived at the condo, they called the property manager and said, hey, you know, we're on our way there, but could you please go check this apartment? Right. Very because, smart. Yeah. We haven't heard from our daughter. She didn't come into work. So he used a spare key to go check the apartment. Oh, good. And he noticed that her car was gone it wasn't in the parking lot but when he went into the apartment there was nothing really out of order and nothing was really missing there was a wet towel that was laying out there were some clothes laying out that indicated that she probably got ready for work as normal okay got dressed and she left so there wasn't really anything found at the apartment that suggested somebody had entered okay so she maybe wasn't her. snapped from her bed. Right. There's so many questions that I want to ask. Oh, I'm I sure know. You're I know. Get to. <laughs> just, I will wait patiently. So the family met an officer at the condo when they did arrive. And if I didn't mention it, the condo is called the Mosaic. I um, think you did. Okay. okay. So that's, that's fancy name. Yeah. It's, it, they were actually supposed to be known as these fancy places mm. or portrayed that way. I'm feeling it. 
We'll get into that part later. Okay. Jennifer's father talks about the day that they arrived in the Fox News podcast in his interview. And he talks about when the officer came, he didn't really act overly concerned about the officer didn't? Yes, okay. correct. The officer didn't act really concerned. He said not a lot of time had passed right. yet, I'm sure. Right. They were just... The only thing they really had is they couldn't get a hold of her right. at the time, and her phone was going to voicemail. And, she and didn't go to work. he had just talked to her the night before, and so did the boyfriend. So I'm sure from... I guess I can see from a law enforcement perspective, it's like, let's not put the cart before the horse, but... Yeah. And so he... You know, the officer was like, maybe she had a fight with her boyfriends, and they also had the mindset of she's an adult. You know, maybe she, she just went somewhere else. Yeah. Maybe she wanted you guys off her damn back for a five minutes. Right. Yeah. And so there was no urgency mm. from the police at, at that time. At first. And I can see it both ways. The police officer wasn't entirely convinced that this was a true missing persons case sure. right away. That quickly. The family was yeah they they were they knew their daughter on it Mm -hmm. um so in the podcast when he's talking jennifer's father refers to that that day and that moment as the the chance that jennifer had of being found was lost oh god because statistically odds of finding a missing person drop by 50 percent within the first 48 hours if you don't find a lead a strong lead in the case and like we said I get it from the police perspective when you don't when you don't have right. a ton to work with right. at the and time. You're only going on a few hours at that point in time. Yeah, but they lost they lost time mm-hmm. and they lost they did. A, a chance to to possibly find more. Right. If they would have acted maybe yep quickly swifter. So two hours after the family got there, they're flooding the area with flyers with you know whatever they could come up and and it said flyers but now i'm thinking in my head i don't know if they had time to do like appropriate flyers but they're spreading word they're asking right they're looking asking questions have you seen it they're doing the legwork yep and and so they're immediately getting word out there and apparently good for them yeah i know they were just like bam bam i mean on it yeah and that tells you how close she was with her family mm -hmm. and how well they knew her and her patterns of behavior and where she was mentally and to know immediately yes this, and she did not just not wanted to respond to us or run away or anything like that mm-hmm. something has happened and and jennifer's mom said the same thing like they knew they mm-hmm. didn't consider that it was a car accident or something like that like they knew she was in danger yeah. they just knew it wow. so they're spreading word immediately before the police you know was yeah. was acting on anything so apparently at this time at the mosaic so there was some construction going on okay and so there were regular maintenance employees around the building and some of them were subcontracted some of them were actual employees of the mosaic mm-hmm. um so there was a lot of People. of people and men around that area working yeah that aren't maybe typical to the area right this is an important piece of the case because from the beginning jennifer's parents and brother they have suspected that the maintenance or some of the workers around Mm-hmm. The area had something to do with her disappearance. Mm-hmm. Going into that, Jennifer had told her family and her boyfriend how uncomfortable some of these workers had made her feel when oh, she was around shit. them. Mm-hmm. So, and this this comes into play with her phone calls as well. She was very safe and cautious 
And and when she was getting home to the mosaic or when she was leaving, she was tracking in with somebody. I was going to ask if something had happened that made her behave like that, yeah. because typically that's a little bit going above and beyond just being normal. Really checking in on. Yeah. And, and you know, without something, you know, causing that or whatnot. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like with my job experience and I'm sure you feel the same way with yours that it has enlightened us to certain things. So there are certain protocols just from our training that I take. Oh, for that sure. Maybe a regular person. I don't mean to say regular person, but I mean somebody who hasn't had that same training or those same experiences would maybe necessarily think of. Like, Absolutely. For example, when I pump gas, I take my keys out and I hold them as if they are a weapon in my fingers the whole time. Oh, that's a good idea. It was just some part of my CPS training that we were supposed to do. And it's always stuck with me. Yeah, and because gas stations are actually a really popular place for um, abductions yes. or yep. hijacking or whatever. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. I know when I did home visits, I would always check in with a coworker mm-hmm. and say, hey, I'm in the middle of nowhere at this place or, you know, wherever I was going. Right. Just because you I mean, you just never know. You, you want to have good faith that things right. are fine, but you don't know. But it just made me I, it kind of pinged in my brain a little bit when you said that she often called like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm home. I'm back in my apartment or whatever. Why is that? Why so it, it sounds was. like these workers right from the get go made her uncomfortable and she's beautiful. Yeah. So she I'm was sure super cute that there were all kinds of cat calling and those sorts of not to stereotype, but as a woman, we all have been there before and know what that's like. Yeah. Well, and, and it does sound like that's exactly what was going on. She would get out to go into her condo or leave and they would like literally stop and just stare at her mm. like blatantly oh. gawking. And it made her really uncomfortable. Of course. So she had mentioned this to her family and to her boyfriend. They were all very much aware that she was having a hard time with the workers around the mm-hmm. the complex or the condos. Right. Logan Cassie, Je- Jennifer's younger brother, was actually the first one to arrive at the condo the day that they came to look for Jennifer. And he also stated that he strongly suspected the workers from the beginning. He witnessed seeing a van in the parking lot around the maintenance area when he arrived. Was it white? You know, I I just that's what I picture. Me like too. no They're windows. I freaking white. Mm-hmm. So he begins asking around. He asked some of the workers if they had seen a girl, and he was banging on the windows of the van oh, and saying, him. you know, hey, have you seen this girl? And and you know, frantically asking them. And he said it was suspicious from the very beginning because the person in the van wouldn't even acknowledge him. They wouldn't answer him. Oh. They wouldn't roll the windows down. Nothing. They gave what? him nothing. I think I would have been busting into that van and just taking the charges for it. You know, and my mind wanders, of course, in hearing that of, was she in there? Yeah, exactly. Did they have her at that moment? Because that gives me chills to think that her brother was that close. Yes, and do you know how many cases I've listened to where they've actually had the bodies in the trunk still either alive or or just freshly dead and they get pulled over by police? Yes. I mean, it happens all the freaking time. Well, her towel was wet. Right. It was only a few hours before they got there. So everything had just happened. Yes. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, was she in that freaking van? Yes. <laughs> and oh, her poor brother. And this, and, and you know that gut feeling. It sounds like they just they had that gut feeling, and, and they so, were right for, with with their gut all along. You know what I mean? Yeah. From the very beginning. So and so he he said just very suspicious from from the beginning with that, and so mm-hmm. he had went that around. Is very weird, right? Isn't 
it. He had went around the building as well after he was getting nothing from, you know, the right. van and from whoever else was around. Mm-hmm. He goes around the building. There's another worker. And he's, again, like, wh- you know, why won't these guys answer me? What's going on? Right. Have you seen this girl? And so this worker immediately was like, you know, no, no English, no. I was going to say, know. was there a language barrier or was there one claimed? And Do we know? And there was. And the the other odd part about this guy was he he started kneeling when he was talking to them. He was saying no English, but he like knelt down. Huh? And and Logan said that that was just weird. <laughs> it was just the whole situation was really bizarre. Why? Now, it Why is, would we kneel? Right? I know. I, I don't Maybe understand that. Almost like in a fearful, that. like I'm caught. I don't know. Down? Submissive? What? So, so many confused. questions about that whole encounter with the workers. Yeah. Um, and no wonder why her parents still to this day remain suspicious mm-hmm. of that. The other problem that that we have with the, the situation with the workers, there were undocumented workers that oh, had been doing there were. things around the building, too. Ooh, I hate this. I hate everything about this. I know. Isn't it horrible? <laughs> so we have subcontracted people from right. outside of the mosaic. We have the the some maintenance people working for the mosaic and, and some didn't working speak for the subcontractors you know i mean it's so hard to pin all these mm-hmm. people down because you've got the mosaic that contracts out this certain work and then those certain contractors might even contract out some of it yeah and you never know who they've got working for them and yeah i mean it's it's great work for people and provides jobs but when there's not a paper trail and that's mm-hmm. the problem i don't think they were fully able to get an idea of who was there yes who was working so that they would know who to even interview exactly and the police did not interview the workers that day. Of course not. Okay. Keep all of that. Yep. In your in, in the forefront. In of your mental lives. filing cabinet. Okay. So Jennifer's cell phone, purse, and briefcase were all missing from her apartment. And those are all the things she takes to her work? Exactly. So it is believed okay. that kind of reassured that thought that she did leave for work. Right. She had all of those things that she would take with her. Yeah. And nothing else was found out of order, but those things were missing. So it's believed that she did get in her vehicle. And the family strongly believes that that's when something happened. The minute she got, into her, she vehicle, got into her vehicle, okay. something happened. In the podcast, Jennifer's best friend talks a lot about her too. Like she was involved in, in this process as well. Sure. The family was working very diligently to get the word out. So about... 48 hours later, there was a break with the case. After hearing about the case, a woman in another apartment complex about a mile down the road had spotted a black Chevy Malibu, which met the description of Jennifer's car. That's her car. Okay. Because the, f- the family was also putting word out about the vehicle because sure. it was missing. Right. If you left the mosaic and you traveled about a mile down the road, the scenery changed pretty quickly and it was known to be a high crime area so the car was found in the parking lot of a place called huntington on the green which was an apartment complex in that sketchy area of Don't town like that yeah <laughs> the name sounds really fancy it does it for, makes it sound like it's a, at a like golf course resort of, or something i know 
but apparently this was, you know, a not, not so gray area of town. Okay. So it was immediately suspicious that the car was there because right. this is not somewhere Jennifer would have been. There. Yeah. Right. The black Chevy Malibu was actually confirmed to be Jennifer's. Okay. And when they found the car, nothing was out of place in the vehicle. Nothing was taken. They assumed this was not an, a robbery situation. So her briefcase, her purse, cell phone, all of that is in the car? Those things were not in the car at some point those things must have been discarded okay. some way they were never recovered you know i can't honest honestly answer that but i throughout the whole research i never saw anything about those items okay. so um i don't want to say like no they didn't because i don't remember right. coming across that but i i don't believe they were okay yeah. But everything else in the car was, you know, nothing was taken. And was there money in the car? You know. Do you know? Like, I mean, were they trying to find a motive for this? Like, or was it just about taking her? To my knowledge, everything in the car looked to be intact. Okay. Like, there was nothing significant was not missing. A so they they were confident it wasn't a robbery. Like, or a robbery gone wrong. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. So they, they, they were pretty confident it wasn't a situation where they were looking for some kind of money from Jennifer. The police actually brought Jennifer's boyfriend to identify the car and confirm okay. that it was hers. And I think it sounds like possibly to gauge his reaction to finding the car as well because... Like I said, he was a person of interest. They they couldn't run the plates? Good good question. I mean... Good question. (laughs) I just feel like there's other ways to identify if this was her car or not. Right. Well, I think they were kind of like looking at him as well. More about his reaction. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was... It sounds like maybe it was. Obviously was taken back and in shock about the whole situation. And like I said, he was cleared from being involved. He lived several hours away he right. wasn't around at the time of her disappearance. She was on the phone with him. So he was not. He obviously must have had a, an alibi. Right. Too, I mean, for them to see being that far away. So he didn't continue to be a suspect in this case. Yeah. After after that. After the car was discovered, this is when police started to think, okay, foul play mm. is involved. Should have probably listened to her family from the get-go. Right. So 48 hours have gone by. You know, mm. they have the car now, and, and now they're starting to think, okay, you know, yeah. something serious has happened. Okay, we believe She's you. missing. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, there were no cameras at this time at the Mosaic. None in the halls. None in the parking oh, lots. Because it, of the construction? And, you know, or I, just... I don't know... Well, it's not important. It's just, it is what it is. Well, but. it's funny because we, we'll talk about the mosaic a little bit later. And it's, you know, there were no no security guards. There was nothing around there. But today, that place is very tight. On lockdown? Yeah, on yeah, lockdown, yes. So I think... Especially with as vocal as her family mm-hmm. has been. Yeah, I imagine. So I think this is another case of something happening. And as a result... They had to change yep. their very loose their security system and mm. a I lot of things. I can't imagine my heart is breaking for her parents as I I'm know. listening to this story because, you know, to be the police officer that's like, oh, you know what? I think now we got a missing person. Mm-hmm. Missing person. A missing person. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's what we tried to tell you, fuckhead. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I thought about this when I was when listening to them, that desperate, like they knew, yeah. but... Nobody would take them Nobody's seriously. taking them seriously. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine that feeling. No. And how or, you don't go crazy when somebody's like, say, eh. The animalistic nature that would come out of me as a mother. How could not you not go for the jugular? Heard. Yep. Like, exactly. my child is exactly. missing. <laughs> yeah. I just 
can't picture in myself in that situation and, and how I feel vicious that I would get to not be taken seriously when you know there's oh, something. Yeah, when somebody's like, Yeah, maybe she just got yeah. in a fight with her boyfriend. And then they come back to you at you forty eight hours later and say, Oh yeah, we found her car, so now this is a missing person's case. I just oh, lose my shit. Absolutely. That's, yeah. But another break came in the case when two cameras were discovered at the sketchy complex where the car was found. Okay. So and this I like is, that the sketchy complex has cameras, right? but the mosaic the, does the not. The extravagant mosaic, no cameras, oh, no God. security. So they did find two uh, kind of across the parking lot of the Huntington on the Green complex over by the pool area. And there is a person obviously driving it that sits in the car. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> obviously. <Awesome>. <laughs> there was someone driving okay. that car. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> so that person sits in the car for about 30 seconds before getting out. And then the person proceeds to start walking around the pool area, which was fenced in. Okay. So this is where you're going to get real mad. <laughs> oh no. So this video footage is horrible. It's haunting, though, because you see this person get it, get out of Jennifer's car. You know that... It's not Jennifer. This is the person of interest. Right. And you can't see any oh, of their seriously? features. It's, it's grainy. It's far away. And as the figure's walking around the pool area, which is like the iron rod fence posts... Yeah. You can't make out any facial features. Because those iron, iron rod fence posts are getting in the way. And even worse, the, the camera would take shots every three seconds yes and every single flipping picture that the camera captured the fence post is blocking this person's face no i can't even yep every single photo that they could that they tried to freeze frame the person's face is not identifiable son of a bitch what are the odds of that happening one of the reporters in the interviews for this case said that this person is like the luckiest person of interest ever absolutely to to be alive what the Mm -hmm. actual heck the police brought nasa in or went to nasa to look at this footage and try to clean it up try to focus it so they could make something out and and nasa wasn't even able to get anything that was solid on this footage and like how frustrating why can't we just have a camera that records the whole time what are we saving energy those three seconds what it what I know, is the and point can we, of that can we demand better camera uh quality please like what's the point having a camera that you can't make anybody out I just on just can't even fathom let's this. hope that it things changed after after this all happened i think that they have it's indicated that yeah. that they have right. now that but, they're like oh the three second thing might not be working out for us because that's how long it takes somebody to walk to the next fence post right <laughs> right Shit. so yeah they didn't get any good shots of this person the, it, it shows the person walking and they can clearly see that it's not jennifer yeah i mean did they get any sort of height or a gender so from what i understand they weren't able to really determine a gender there was back and forth like it could be a man could it be could be a woman but what nasa was able to do in looking at the photographs and the video was determined this was a shorter person okay about five three to five five some people that were interviewed about this footage said they saw like possibly a bun like somebody had a man bun or oh, sure and then five three with a man bun or that could be a woman now i comment on that too because the family um her brother and her best friend both commented like 
if this guy, if this was a guy or a woman, 5'3", no way they did this alone because Jennifer was a fighter and yeah. she would not have, like... And what was uh, what was her height? And do we know? I believe she was taller, but she's I don't... She's taller than 5'3". Not that yes. that means that she's necessarily stronger than somebody, but, you know, when you are fighting for your life and have that spunk about you... Yes. You know, five someone that's five three. And might they, have a more difficult the family time. indicated she had that spunk okay. about her. So they've all kind of made comments about like if this was a five three really small person, there has to be more people. Somebody else involved. Because sure. she would have been fighting. Yeah. And and just not going down with a man bun. Right, right. Like this little man bun isn't right. gonna take me out. So, no offense because there's right, it, nothing it, works, the sh- it works on some men, but it does not work on all men. Right. And and nothing against short people. They were just saying, like, we know yeah, Jennifer. Right. And if this was one single person that abducted her, she would have, you know, gave this yeah, person a run for their they're money. Trying to offer some extra alternative hypotheses, if you will, of this is possibly more than one person involved. Right. The police did utilize the canine unit. The canine unit was able to track where this person may have been headed. And in the video footage, they even seem to be going back toward the way the mosaic would have been. Okay. On foot. Yeah. So the canine unit was able to trace a scent straight back to the mosaic. However, the investigator on the case indicated they couldn't really tell if it was Jennifer's scent that was being picked up or if it was the because person they used of interest. The car. Correct. Uh, okay, yeah. So it was like there there was a clear trail back, but they weren't really sure if it was, you know, more of Jennifer. Wouldn't you think that it would be the guy though? Because why would Jennifer ever walk all the way back? Like if it's take if the scent is picking up from the car all the way back to the mosaic. Mm-hmm. In that in-between space in between, Jennifer may not have ever been. Right. So, and my other thing that I was wondering about, but I didn't find the answer, was was it just the scent of Je- Jennifer at the mosaic? Was the, right. you know, did the dog, was it led back there for that? I don't know. Right. But so it was like they kind of had an indication, but they also kind of, Weren't, they couldn't it say wasn't for sure. solid. Right. Okay. The other question I had when I'm, researching this is were there any other cameras around like what was that trail yeah because it's about a mile you Mm -hmm. said right yeah so quite a long ways back yeah and I didn't see any other info. I'm. I would I'm like to sh- think I'd like they to looked. I'd like to think that they tried to. Yeah. Yes. I mean, but we'd like to think a lot of things. We would, but that was mm-hmm. my first thought. Check the other stores or businesses or whatever was was on that. Yeah. You know, trail. I don't. Right. I don't know what the trail looked like, but. I'm sure. I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and say I'm sure yes. that they did, and that we are not better investigators than they. Yes. Yeah. Question. I'm sure. <laughs> Even though I do investigations for a living, but... And so on that note, there is a lot of backlash with the police on this case because they didn't release the video footage or any photos of this person of interest for quite a while. Oh, okay. So... Were they trying to keep things close to the chest? But I feel like they really only do that when they have people, you know, people of interest already in mind. And so they're just Mm -hmm. trying to gather more evidence. So if you really didn't know who this was, what is the benefit of keeping this information from the public? Exactly. And so one of the interviews with the main detective on this case, his his name's Sergeant Rich Ring. Did you say Rich Ring? I did. Rich Ring. Okay. 
So he basically explained the reason that they held this information and didn't release it immediately is because they didn't think that anyone outside of of the person of interest circle would be able to recognize him because the footage was so bad. Because how bad it was. And the other explanation... But I mean, you don't know until you try, right, Rich? Exactly. And we'll, and we'll get to that in a minute because when they did release it, there were people that later did come forward. Oh. The other reason that they had for not releasing the footage is that they didn't want the person of interest to think that they were just going to pin the disappearance of Jennifer on him. And... So they did have a person of interest. In the video. Like, they didn't want it, the person to think that it was just going to be pinned on him and okay then, got you and, you know and, and they right, weren't and eliminate the possibility they didn't want to narrow down their scope right too much right away and that's where like i, I hearing him say that i'm like okay i, I get it but I, I also am like i don't get it mr rich ring i feel like you're pulling at threads here rich rich ring i have questions yeah and you know and he does and i'm not go, gonna tell you how to do your job right but. he goes on later saying you know they he felt like they did everything they could again there's some controversy there right. but and they, you know the family and friends are never going to be satisfied and I wouldn't either. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel just as somebody who's just learning about all this right now, I'm not satisfied with the work because unfortunately it didn't lead to finding answers. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's just natural for everybody to feel that way. Yeah. And so, but I mean, they had their reasons. Nothing, yeah. Other people were like, you know, why did this take so long? Yes. Yeah. I guess we'll never really know what the right thing to do was but um, it did take them a couple months to release the video footage they did release some photos before the video footage maybe like a couple weeks to a month afterwards and then the video the video footage came out later but we're still talking about but a it's still a delay a quite a yeah. delay so police originally believed that jennifer had been abducted the night before because they were picking up some pings from her cell phone that were like in other places across town. Oh. However, that proved to be false data. And I don't know what had happened there, but they realized that it wasn't accurate. So they they wiped that theory out and they they do now believe one hundred percent that she was abducted that morning. Okay. That she had went into work. Well I can say that cell phone tower pinging can happen. I I'm sure given a populated area like she's at, there's a lot of cell phone towers mm-hmm. and they can randomly switch which towers they're pinging off from without you being like right next to the tower or within close proximity. That has mm-hmm. happened before. So that makes sense that they would be like, oh, no, that does not mean that she was roaming around town. Right. Because they're in and a highly populated And it sounds like area. technologies come a little farther now yeah. where they can pinpoint yes. those pings a little bit yep, more. it is different now. Specifically, mm-hmm. but at that time, somehow they picked up some pings and then they realized it wasn't accurate. So right. that, that theory was wiped out. Unfortunately, the video footage was one of the only solid leads that Damn. the police had. And there was also another lead found that suggested there was a struggle on the hood of Jennifer's car. Apparently, there was some signs of a struggle okay. on the front of it like where it looks, yeah, it like looks that. like someone al- was almost like put on it and struggling okay and i actually think we should put the the photos up of the car because the family did just release those photos like in november of 2020 okay um and we'll get into the the details of all of that too but they're hoping that those photos can maybe spark some memory or something there were apparently quite a few photos taken of the hood of the car but the family was only 
subjected to maybe like a couple, three or four photos. We'll get into the rest of that info in a little bit. Now that the family, the family has these photos now and they, so they're wanting them released because those photos were never released to the public either of the car. The car was investigated for DNA and they couldn't find much. Um, There was a boot print found at the scene and there was a fingerprint from Jennifer found otherwise it looked like the car had been wiped pretty clean say did they wipe it and i'm thinking he the person was in the car for 30 seconds that's probably what they were doing Mm -hmm. is wiping the car down before getting out another part of this is i i do want to talk about some of the kip the kips (laughs) let's talk about the kips amber talk about some of the tips that have come in about this case some of them came in right away and others it took years for them to come in Hmm. and it's it's really interesting talking about the tips because I feel like some of them you're like if they just would have come in sooner, you know. Oh. One of the reports came in from a woman who happened to be driving her husband to his first appointment for radiation therapy the morning that Jennifer disappeared. The couple had come up to a stop sign on the corner of Moxie Boulevard and Con- Conroy Road, which would have been where the mosaic was. Okay. So they had stopped at the intersection And they noticed a car driving really erratically in the parking lot of the Mosaic at the time. It was swerving all over the place. And it was enough for them to both stop and look Look. like, what what the heck's going on? Is someone in trouble? Is someone getting hurt? The husband apparently said, should we call the police? And the woman at the time was like, no, we're running late for your appointment. We need to move on. You know, we need to keep going. And so they didn't call. Not my circus, not my monkey. Right. So they didn't call at that time. However, when they got to the appointment, and this was the day that Jennifer was missing. So everything's kind of like unfolding that day. They still were thinking about it. They're like, you know, what happened, you know, that morning? And it must have been left an impression if they were thinking about it after they got to there. Yeah, I'm thinking it must have been quite a scene, not just a couple little swerves, but pretty, pretty noticeable for them to still think about, gosh, I wonder what happened. Yeah. Then they started to hear some of the info coming out about the Jennifer Cassie case because the family arrived that day, started spreading word. So after that appointment, And the next day, the woman did decide to report that she had some information on the Jennifer Cassie case because the the vehicle they saw matched the description that they had just heard. So they're like, oh, wow, I think we may have witnessed something that day. So the woman did call the next day to report what she had seen. Okay. I mean, good, good. I know you're wondering... Did the police come investigate her right away? I'm afraid of what you're. And the answer is no. They did not come that day. It was. It sounds like it was a couple days later before they got there to ask her questions. And from what this woman reports, that's the only time they ever investigated her. They didn't come back and ask more questions. There wasn't another interview. It was like a one-time thing, and and that was it. So they took her information, and that's that. I'm just sitting here staring at you, in awe of this information. And disgust. Do you see the disgust on me? I do see it. And and rightfully so. I know some of this is really hard for... It was hard for me reading it. Like, what? Especially being 15 years later. And another one of those moments, too, where you're like, if she would have called right then. I know. And I hate to throw that out there, but it's so true that it was going through Mm -hmm. my head. 
if you had called right then. And don't get me wrong. I mean, her husband was going to radiation. He had prostate cancer, I believe. So it's like, I get it. They were, they were in another headspace. And even in the interview, because the woman did uh, agree to be interviewed. She just didn't want her identity revealed sure. in this. Probably for fear of some backlash now. Right. But, I mean, it's not her fault. It, it's know? not. And I mean, she still came the, forward. Yes, she did. And you can't change the outcome. It's just, I guess what we're saying on this podcast is if you see something suspicious, just call the police. We're not Immediately. asking you to stop and get involved, <laughs> but call the police. And, but even in the interview, she was asked, you know, if you knew what you knew now, would would you have changed anything and she said i would have called immediately you know so it's not like she doesn't regret it as we've said before hindsight is a sneaky bitch i mean sneaky little bitch it's horrible in the case that i cover this week hindsight really sucks i'm looking i I always hate to say i'm looking forward to hearing about it because it just sounds a little but we're all here because we're true crime fanatics so Mm -hmm. it is what it is our shirts right now actually say i like true crime and maybe we are twinning Amber has far more impressive breasts than I do, so hers says it a little louder than mine, but you know, really screams it's true true crime. True crime. <laughs> <laughs> Giving you some true crime today. <laughs> okay, so another piece going along with what this woman had had witnessed that may solidify it a little bit is that Jennifer's father Drew reflected on something else that he had taught Jennifer growing up is that if your car's ever hijacked, you grab the wheel and you crash the car. You know, that's your chance to get away. Yeah. So thinking about that woman seeing it swerving, it's almost like, you know, with somebody grabbing the wheel, trying to wreck the car. And so they may, they think maybe that's what the woman had witnessed and her husband that morning. And you may get to this, but this is where I'm at. Do you think that she actually got into her vehicle and someone was waiting for her in the car? That is like one of my worst fears. It's kind of like how I always check the shower before I go pee pee. Uh huh. Is I check pee pee. <laughs> I have to check my car before I get in it or right after. I it yep. freaks the hell out of me. That thought crossed my mind, or was someone waiting for her to get in the car and like got in with, with her? her? Yeah, and pushed her over. I you know I don't know, but those thoughts cross my mind too. Of it, it does seem like someone got into the vehicle with her at that time right and if the or car is met being... her at the car told her to get in and i don't know right so many things that we need Damn to it, know Amber, i want the answers now i see why <laughs> I you're know. coming to florida with me we yep. gotta go solve this case yep tell matt to you know wait here we'll yes. get on top of this and we'll be back so do you remember the video that we talked about that was released with the person of interest? It was delayed, but it was released to the public. Yes, how could I forget, Amber? So there was somebody that came forward that thought they maybe recognized the of person course. on the video. Mm-hmm. Shocker. Not the shocker. No, I'm not trying just to give I'm not trying to judge the police work on this case. It's just when you're when you're a bystander looking in, yes. you, you just have so so many later, questions. It's yes. frustrating. So she came forward on this Fox News podcast for the first time to talk about what she had witnessed. Witnessed and experienced living at the Mosaic. Um, She was a a resident at the Mosaic and her, she also wanted to remain anonymous in this, in this case. Sure. I don't, I don't blame people for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, They actually refer to her as Morgan in the, the interview, but they say that's not her real name. And honestly, um, that is why some people don't come forward is because they do not want to get involved Mm -hmm. and it's tragic and it's not, I'm not saying that's the right answer, but there are people that just do not want to be that drama involved. They don't want 
the media in their life. They don't want to have to testify. Oh, for but, sure. Or, uh, you know, somebody is murdered and we don't know that she's murdered at this point in time. Right. But, you know, the fear of if I say something, am I next? Am, am I, going, I right, unsafe? Exactly. Because so, they haven't caught this person. Yeah. Yep. So lots of different or reasons. am I going to be accused? Because that's happened before, too. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot. There's a lot there. But you have to so, search in your own conscience yes to be able to make those decisions yep and so i mean i'm glad that she has come forward now but so what she said that when she saw the video she said i instantly knew that it was chino chino so she name dropped someone it's definitely a five three man with a man bun (laughs) shit I I was thinking the same thing. What kind of name is Chino? And I get it. What the fuck kind of a name is Charnel? I don't know. Damn you, Chino. Okay. So, yep. She's like, "Uh, this looks like Chino. So let's talk about Chino for a little bit. Did Chino work at the Mosaic? So Chino did work at the Mosaic. Mm. And Chino was always around the Mosaic. He was employed in some way there as maintenance and Morgan reports that he was always walking around and late, like sometimes late at night. And he was always just kind of there. I was almost just a huge smartass and said, as opposed to flying around. What does, <laughs> he what does was, that mean, He Morgan? was a creature of the night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> flying around the, <laughs> the condos. No, he was friendly. He would talk to Morgan. And at first she didn't really think anything of it. He was just, you know, chatty. He was just Chino with a man bun. Just Chino being Chino. Okay. But then it took a little bit of a kind of turn. Things got weird. And so he would start knocking on her door and Mm. like asking if she had any books to recommend or any DVDs that that she would suggest for him. And so he just started like showing up more Mm -hmm. or just popping into chat doesn't even read yeah (laughs) you know what he can't read i'm just saying (laughs) i bet he doesn't like to read thank you for clarifying that (laughs) (laughs) he might have a a full collection at home we don't know we don't know we don't but i'm just gonna say he's probably one of those men that are just trying to chatter up Spark some combo. But, and that's what it, sound, it sounded like he was starting to like come around a little bit more. She was, you know, starting to get that vibe, mm-hmm. that creeper that vibe. vibe. Yup. And if you're out there, just don't put it out. Yeah. Just maybe don't pop in and ask rain, for DVDs. in the creeper vibe. You'll get a lot farther. As time went on, she really started to question his intentions. And she also had a roommate at the time that started to have some weird interactions too. And her roommate reported that there was a guy outside in the parking lot and she noticed that he was taking pictures directly of her, like as she was getting out of the parking lot. Clearly uncomfortable. Not okay. And there was another incident that she saw him, the same guy, like across in another one of the empty condos taking pictures like into her condo. Creepy. So don't like that either. Yep. Yeah, so there's various reports of people feeling uncomfortable with some of the maintenance staff at this place. And Chino also had keys to all of the uh, um, condos. Of course he did. All of the yeah, right, condos. Right, right. Like a skeleton um, key or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So he is was able to get into them. Is his real name or is this his nickname? Is this just what his home is called? I believe it was a nickname That's that he went like. by. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was just something that he actually chose to go by okay it was 
also noted there was no forced entry into Jennifer's apartment. I keep wanting to say apartment, but condo. Condo, yeah. So again, just another piece of, okay. Just a side note here, as somebody who used to live in an apartment complex, and you're currently moving out of one, actually. Mm -hmm. Did you ever ask your, like, manager who all of the employees has a key to your place? Because I never did, and I feel like this is a great opportunity to tell people, if you live in an apartment complex... Know who has keys to your place. Yeah. Yeah. Ask the manager and really find out how many different people might have keys to your place and and add those extra because you can... Like, I would forfeit a security deposit to add extra stuff to the door. Oh, for so sure. So that people with a skeleton key or who could get a hold of it couldn't get into your place. I know, and I hate to think about it, but you, you know, you want to feel safe yep. and you yep. just never know. But that's a really good point. I mean, know who has the keys. Yep. After Morgan came forward, the FBI nor the Orlando Police Department questioned Morgan. To my knowledge, they still haven't. Questioned her. I believe no one has ever contacted her about the case from the police. Okay. So in 2009, there was also a cleaning lady that came forward stating that the person in the video she also believed could be Chino. She was aware of Chino. Two people Mm -hmm. identifying. Saying that this looked like Chino. And that was three years later. Yes. Okay. Yep. And there was another report that someone had apparently called into the tip line. And this was actually a week after Jennifer's disappearance. And this, this. Oh, no. I can see it on your face that I'm about to real hate so th- this. And this was before the video had come out. But okay. there was a tip suggesting that Chino could Stop be it. a person of interest Amber. in this case. I know. And this tip was apparently discredited. Like this was not taken into consideration at that time. It was only a week after the disappearance. I know. Have they ever questioned Chino? So they did question Chino later. Okay. They did interview him. They did a polygraph and he passed it. Okay. So to this day, Chino's never been convicted of anything to do with this case. Okay. Never charged, nothing. But they did interview him. And polygraphs can't be sometime later. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can pass them and still be guilty. Not saying Chino is, but I'm saying that's why they. Um, they can mm-hmm. give false positives and false negatives. So. so even though they've had various people come forward, naming him as a possible person of interest, he's never actually been, there's not enough there. Okay. And maybe he didn't have anything to do with her disappearance, but. I know, I know. So again, unanswered questions, unanswered things with this case regarding Chino. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I, my knowledge is. He was only I, interviewed the one time. I would like to know what the polygraph tests were, uh, questions were. Were they questioning about actually, you know, abducting her or knowing her or seeing her? Or was it more about the car? Mm-hmm. Like, were you driving the car? Were you ever in the black Malibu? Were mm-hmm. you in the what sounded like a fancy golf course parking lot, but it was really a kind of a rundown apartment complex? What was that place called? The, the Huntington on the Green. Yes, Huntington on the Green. It does sound so fancy. So there was a third witness that also came forward with information on the case. This all, this witness also waited quite some time to come forward. It wasn't until about 2019 that this woman decided to contact the police regarding what she had seen. Did you say 2019? I did. I did. Oh, so that hurts. It does. So approximately... 10 months after Jennifer went missing, this woman was apparently staying at a friend's house on 
what's called Lake Fisher, which is about 12 miles from where Jennifer lived, and it's about one mile from where she worked. So at the time, the lake was more secluded. There was maybe like a few houses on it, but... Um, where the woman was staying, she could see across the lake, which was just open field at the time. My understanding that it's much more, you know, populated now. now. But at that time she was staying at, I don't know if it was a guest house or just a friend's house for the weekend. It was fall and she happened to be outside sitting by the lake or outside doing something by the lake. And she noticed this truck driving up across the lake, like over through the field, which was just really weird to her. So she kept her eyes on the truck to see what, what they were doing. And the truck ended up like backing up to the lake, like close to the lake. And a man gets out, looks around. and Yeah. And so then he grabs a carpet that was rolled up. She said it was a big carpet, about six to eight feet. And he grabs it out of the back of the truck, looks around, dumps the the carpet into the the mm. lake so and she like said it was very suspicious i know <laughs> she said it was suspicious because he stood there almost purposeful purposefully watching right to make sure that it was if there's sinking. any activity around and, and then, yeah he was yeah. looking around and then watching it sink do we think maybe he was just littering and wanted to get away with it you know They interviewed one of the detectives later on about the case who strongly feels there's a correlation to the Jennifer Kessie case. I guess we we don't know for sure, but it was really suspicious. And she saw this 10 months months. after. Yep. Mm. So it just, you know, it raises the question, what was in the rug? What was on the rug? She suspected something was in the The rug. rug. Yep. So she didn't say anything right away, and she even reports, because she was also interviewed in this in the podcast, that she was scared at the time, because it looked really suspicious, whatever okay. was going on. And she was actually, as this man was, like, looking around, she kind of, like, Is hid hiding. behind something, because yeah. she was afraid, well, what if he what if saw he me? Mean? What is he going to do? Because I don't okay. know what he's doing over yeah, there. Yeah, so that's not somebody just littering, mm-hmm. then, more than likely. Yeah. So there was obviously some suspicion for whatever he was doing, like, he didn't want to be seen. So Is she it didn't too early report for this. me to throw a theory out. Throw away. Okay. I'm I'm going to pitch it to you. What if so this is 10 months later. What if she had originally been abducted for human trafficking and her case got too big? And she'd be too easily recognized, so then they had to get rid of her. That is a theory in this case that it has been thought that maybe she was trafficked. I, I, you know, I don't know that crossed my mind also because I've heard of that with another case that I was looking at. Yeah. I think we talked about it. Yeah. The Brit- Brittany Drexel. Yes. Yep. Same kind of situation. Right. So I mean, not out become, of the question that yep. that could have happened. Yep. So, too recognizable. So this woman, she didn't come forward right away. She said, They kind of ask why she didn't. I don't know that she fully grasped what she had seen, that it was connected to that case at the time. Um, She said she was kind of like living a fast life. And she, you know, after that weekend kind of went on with life and she just didn't report at the time. Mm -hmm. She later around 2019 had seen something come up about the Jennifer Kessie case. And it got her thinking, where was I at about that time and thinking about that day at the lake that she saw. And at that time she felt compelled to actually call the police and say, Hey, I think you might want to know this. It happened. So she did come forward with the information, but 
14 years later. But, you know. Right. So when she reported this to the police, they did have a dive team go out and look in the lake and try to find something. Nothing was found. But again, I mean, you know, that much time had gone on. Who knows what happened? Right. Who knows if somebody went back? You know, you just don't, you don't know. Right. But nothing was found as far as evidence in that lake regarding Jennifer's case, unfortunately. Was it a pretty big lake? Do you know? Did it say? Um, it sounds like the the lake has gotten bigger over the years, but at the time it was not very big. Okay, they've expanded it and put houses oh. up, and so yeah. it's much bigger now. But at the time, it was just a small a small secluded lake. I I want to mention too because, like we said, this case has been going on for fifteen years uh, almost. This family has received countless tips, some false, some far fetched. I mean, they have been through so much with with receiving tips about their daughter. There was one tip that somebody had spotted her in Mexico. Apparently, there was a a woman on the streets that matched her identity to the T, like her description. Okay. And so they reported it. And the family actually, I don't know if they got their hopes up, but they were thinking, oh my gosh, could this really be her? And it turned out to be someone that was uh, run away from their family and was living on the streets of Mexico, looked like Jennifer. So the, you know, that tip came in. Can you imagine over the years no. getting your hopes up thinking like, okay, this could be something, this could be a, our daughter. No. And then it was nothing. But I also just can't imagine a life where they are constantly getting tips and having to yeah. check into all of them and how, what a painful, and exhausting this, way to live. Yeah. And this always blows my mind. There's always trolls. There's always of trolls course. with these cases, I which I see more they, and more where they just will make they, false reports. Yes, they just want to be a part of something. Shame on oh, you. It's disgusting. It makes me so mad. Like how sick are you to put this family through something saying that you have a lead on, yep. on their daughter or even to throw the case off? I don't know, but Um, So they've gotten a lot of false tips as well over the years. So Jennifer would have been 39 last May, Mm -hmm. and her family has never stopped looking for her this entire time. Around 2018, the Cassie family really got a sense that, and and let me back up a little bit, they got the sense that things were kind of slowing down on this case around the 10-year mark. Yeah. Jennifer's dad talks about he thought that they were a team with the police for quite a while and they were working together. I mean, yes, there were some errors, but right. you know, he he spoke that they were working as a team. However, things started to slow down and they really wanted to keep this case going and active and they wanted to find their daughter. So around 2018, they really wanted to get a hold of her files because they just felt like there was no movement, no Mm -hmm. leads, nothing new. But they had asked for those to be released and the police wouldn't because they were saying that the case was still active. So they wouldn't release anything to the family. So the family ended up going after and actually suing the Orlando Police Department, they found this attorney that helped them actually win this lawsuit. Oh, okay. They were able to prove that the case wasn't actually active because they hadn't been working on it. Right. And, and they so, hadn't been doing anything mm-hmm. and no new leads or anything like that. Yep. So they were able to prove that this case had been inactive and the family won. It cost them a lot of money. I'm sure. Like $18,000 worth of money and a lot of time. $18,000 worth of money. Yes. (laughs) Worth of money. (laughs) Not bananas. Money, everyone. Yes. (laughs) Dollar bills. They So they won. It took a year and the $18,000 bills. And and, and extra stress that they don't need. 
Mm-hmm. But they got those files. So there was even more battle because when they got the files, the files had been extremely redacted. So there was a lot of stuff missing. And Jennifer's dad even talks about some of them were like three quarters of the way redacted and lots of things If you've ever tried to read a redacted file, you guys, it is about as clear as mud. Yeah. And so they were pissed. Yeah. And Jennifer's dad is like, don't take us for a fool. Like, don't mess with us. And I guess, what is the law with that? If they, I mean, aren't they entitled to all the information? What? That's my understanding is that they're supposed to get it all. Yeah. Wouldn't the only redacted information be somebody who has like someone's specific name who has a non- who has actually went and filed the legal mm-hmm. paperwork for their name to not be printed. Yep. And so, and my understanding is if the case is inactive, then that information is released. Right. It can it's be released. Free. So they they went back to court. They had Plus to they battle through, to get right, more. Through a court mm-hmm. order. It's, this isn't just a, a FOIA request, yeah. which if you don't know is a Freedom of, Freedom of Information Act request that you can do. I mean, we can do it to get information for our podcast, mm-hmm. but stuff, certain confidential information from those requests are redacted, but something like this, this was court ordered. Right. So they had to go back. They had to fight to get more information. I believe they have about 95% of the information, but there's still some things that just mm-hmm. aren't being released. And even in the interviews, it doesn't sound like there's a solid answer as to why some things are still remaining. With the police. Some things they're keeping close to the chest. For what reason? The police obviously gave them a really hard time about handing over everything. And I think that we're all kind of thinking along the same lines that what they found when they got all of the information was exactly what they were afraid of. There was about a seven-year gap of nothing on this case that had been done. And the attorney that they had hired talks about how in police departments and he says it in a nice way but people retire people quit this cat this case gets passed along to others it loses its power as it goes person to person that's maybe not connected or attached to that case the way they would have been originally so it kind of just fell dormant yeah that has happened to me numerous times before in my career Mm -hmm. and it and it is the most frustrating thing to be the person that gets that file on your desk and is like Huh? What do you want me yeah. to do with and this? And if, if it's because somebody, the, the previous two people have done nothing, where am I supposed to pick up with this? Right. And if somebody knew a young person, who knows yeah. the situation, but they don't know but the case as, as well. They're not as invested in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, frankly. So that's what they think happened. And the family was thinking the same thing. And they just, it, and even the attorney says, the Cassie family didn't mean this in any malicious way. They just wanted to keep their daughter's case right, going. Right. I mean, really, they just want to find their daughter. And they were basically like, you know, we know this case more than anybody. We know all the facts. We know what's going on. Let us have this yeah. and keep it going. Right. That's all they wanted. Were they interested in hiring a private detective at this point? Yes. And they, they have okay. they have somebody working with them at this point. I meant to look into with this podcast coming out because it just recently did there's still active facebook pages there's still a lot of stuff out there to try to keep this case alive so i wanted to talk a little bit about the various theories okay. about this case and you had brought up one that is pretty accurate there there is theory that this could have been a human human trafficking or abduction situation really what it feels like to me and you know that's that's one theory out there the family has historically questioned the maintenance workers i believe that that is the strongest theory to this day that they feel somebody at that 
building at that condo was involved in this. And if they weren't involved, how did they not see something? Mm-hmm. Did any of them report the car driving erratically like that couple had? Mm-hmm. You There's, know, somebody had to have seen that. There's also speculation that this wasn't a one-man job because of the the lack of evidence, the cleanup, the... Mm. And, yeah, and how quickly, like, the family got on top of things. Yeah. And also that person driving the vehicle, being identified as a smaller person, and them knowing their daughter, like, yeah. if this was one person, she would have kicked their ass, mm. basically. Or there would have been more evidence of their struggle yes and their fight yeah you know so there there is suspicion that there was several mm-hmm. people involved in this um you know going back to those maintenance workers i think there's high suspicion that something happened at that that condo that day mm-hmm. who it was nobody really knows yeah but and that's maintenance and construction is maybe not the only business they're involved in. yep that's the i think strongest theory just that's my opinion um right. from what i've seen that's the strongest theory out there. That was obviously where my brain went the first mm-hmm. time. Too. And then this Chino person, was he involved? He was a maintenance staff. Was he involved with, with the case? He's been mentioned several times in all of this as somebody yeah. of interest. And so was it him and someone else? Or That's another theory. There's also an ex-boyfriend that we didn't talk about throughout this case. But he was mentioned as a person of interest because... Apparently, Jennifer had broken up with him, and he didn't want the relationship to end. So he was very much trying to rekindle things, and, you know, she had started seeing this other guy. Right. Matthew Sullivan was his name. He was actually in the area at the time, which my understanding is he didn't live near Jennifer when this happened. Okay. But he was at a bar about 20, 25 minutes away when she came up missing. In the morning? So he was um, that night. Oh, okay. And, and then there was the knock I mean, no the judgment door. if you're at the bar in the morning. Right. Third shift Nothing are, wrong with day drinking. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I was just, so, just putting it, putting the pieces together. Right? That's all. <laughs> yeah. Third shifters. That's their night. Yeah. But yes, he was, it was the night before she disappeared. But there was the knock on the door. So people were wondering, did he come oh. back and try to okay. declare his love? To me, though, it doesn't explain the the car and the person you know unless they could identify the ex-boyfriend okay let me let me throw this out there if we're gonna go with the ex-boyfriend thing Mm -hmm. this is just me spitballing okay also i've never thrown a spitball so i don't even know why i say that but (laughs) it's catchy though i like the saying so say it is the ex-boyfriend and then all of a sudden he's like oh shit now what do i do with this car Mm -hmm. look at this maintenance guy what if i pay this maintenance guy to just get rid of the car Hey, dude. Chino. Yeah. Hey, Chino. Hey, Chino. You take look, this car. Yeah. Hey, little guy. Yeah. Come you, on over here. You're small. I, I got a thousand bucks for you. Yeah, you're small. You could go unnoticed. Take this car somewhere. And Chino, being Chino, was like, "Yeah, a mile's good. I'll drive it a mile." He could have pulled down. a Dorothea. Like, here's eight hundred bucks and a car. Don't ask <laughs> any questions. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you he yeah. You d- you you don't know. I mean, that's that is a theory though that he was somehow involved. Right. And then when Chino's questioned, he's just like, in even in a polygraph, if they didn't ask specifically, "Hey, did somebody pay you to drive that car yeah. somewhere?" He he could have passed the yeah, other questions. Who absolutely, knows? If he didn't know anything, then he didn't know anything. As we mentioned, Jennifer was like completely beautiful. And, you know, so there was also a co-worker that was trying to get with her at the time, but she had rejected him and she wasn't interested. He was also mentioned as a person possibly of interest, but nothing solid has obviously come up about him. And just having a mega crush doesn't make you a 
right you know necessarily guilty when someone comes up missing right and i i saw a couple theories out there too that maybe the boss had something to do with it and that never came up in any of the the research but uh, there's so many theories out there because we just don't know we don't know for sure what happened and then you know the end piece of this is just going back to the police work we talked about there's so many errors in in the police work that happened so paul cisco the attorney that actually helped the cassie family win the lawsuit to get the files he said that one of the most crucial errors in this case was the lack of urgency within the first 48 hours like they missed their chance they didn't take it seriously again going back to that we said we get it nothing had really come up solid at that time but the family right knew with the exception of the family's panic but that lack of uh effort at the beginning it really Mm -hmm. they missed a lot i always will just have chills about that van too and i will always wonder yeah. The other part that comes up for the lack of police work is the the lack of questioning. Mm-hmm. Um, the workers weren't questioned immediately. I know that there were a few workers questioned, but again, going back to that, some of them were not documented. So who knows how long they were there after this happened? Who left? I mean, there's really no way to know. Well, and with, if you don't write down a casual conversation, you're likely to forget it. But also, what if two days later, you, and this has happened to me, where you ask somebody a certain question, they give you an answer, and you compare it to the notes of an interview that you did two days prior, Mm -hmm. and you realize, holy shit, there's a connection. And it can be a very small... Yeah. Investigations like this, it is the little things. And that is what become big pieces, little teeny pieces that come together to make the big picture. Absolutely. And And so if you're not writing that stuff down... We have no idea and we'll never know what kind of crucial information might have been said in those interviews that were not documented. Or even simply going around immediately and asking the workers, the tenants that day, that that moment when they got to the the condo. Right. I mean, I'm even thinking, what if they interviewed somebody and they're like, well, there was this white van, but it was just loading a carpet in there. Yeah. You know, that lack of questioning from the very beginning really slowed things down Mm -hmm. for this case. And the other part is the witnesses not coming forward forward right right away. And so that just kind of delayed things. It's really hard not to look back on this case and wonder how things could have turned out differently had people acted immediately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, both the public and the police. And so but definitely I, not her family, man. You got to commend her. Oh, family. her family. Oh, my Holy gosh. Shit, they reacted so fast. They're so amazing and resilient. They're doing this all for her. Yeah. Uh, but they just keep fighting. And they actually I think I had mentioned it a little bit earlier. They released the photos of the car mm-hmm. in 2020, hoping that they can get another right lead start to this. You know, the, the file is in their hands and they're hoping that they can just keep this movement mm-hmm. going and okay. find some answers. So I hope so too. I, I do. I hope so much that they have, have answers. Do you have any number or anything if people know anything to reach out to? We can post that. I think we could do that when okay. we share the case. Um, yep. I actually meant socials. to get the, because there's a tip line number. They, the family, my understanding, actually drives around with this like the picture of her and yeah. the tip line. I'm still. sure you could Google it and find it too, but we'll post it on our social media accounts for sure. So, yep, that's the okay. that is the Jennifer Cassie case. Good job, and sweetie. I mean, I hate it. it will it still heart, it will haunt me until answers are found. I'm going to think about this when I'm supposed to be on vacation in Florida. Actually, you, yeah, oh my gosh, that's absolutely. So oh. keep the case alive. Okay, and I'll actually go ahead and throw out while you're getting your brain bath ready. Oh our, yes, our that's our exactly what I'm doing. 
so that if people are interested in looking on there um, for that tip line number, our Facebook is Crime Curious Podcast. We have a page. Go ahead and like it and comment on there if you'd like. Uh, Instagram is crime.curious. You can find us on Twitter at Curious Crime. And if you want, we have a website, www.crimecuriouspodcast.com. You can listen to all of our episodes there. And if you want, give us an email too. We are crimecurious at yahoo.com. If you have case suggestions or you know, I even thought of something. If you um, have a funny brain bath for us that you want us to share, email it to us. Or if you were, unfortunately, a victim of crime yourself and you'd like us to tell your story and get it correct, then um, go ahead and email us that as well. Did you mention Twitter? I did mention the Twitter. Oh, I was I was looking at my brain bath here. Are you ready for ready. this blessing of a brain bath? <laughs> I love it when you call it that. <laughs> We've been blessed with the I brain bath. I am truly blessed to find these i'm just gonna you say find some good ones i'm ready for it all right i'm gonna read you the title okay. because the titles are my favorite i know i can tell you're you should see her face right now she's so giddy <laughs> so title of this brain bath manatee sheriff man says cocaine in his buttocks isn't his <laughs> no it never is i it's never it when never. i've got someone else's cocaine in my buttocks so this is actually just a, a newer one, too. This was October 1st of 2020 that oh, this happened. Can we judge him, them? 2020 was just such a <laughs> yeah, terrible yeah. year. Give the guy a break. 2020 was rough. in his buttocks. He doesn't even know how it got there, I'm sure. <laughs> so giving you a little bit of the detail here, a search of a 25-year-old man following a traffic stop Wednesday morning revealed one bag of marijuana and one bag of cocaine in the driver's buttocks, according to the Manatee County Sheriff's that Office. That was a very thorough that's search. A big, yeah, that's a lot for one buttocks. May I search your car and your buttocks? <laughs> the driver said that only the marijuana belonged to him. <laughs> so that. <laughs> The marijuana in my butt the, is mine. The, the coke's the not. The coke is not. No clue how I, it got there. No. <laughs> I didn't understand that the marijuana was also in his butt. <laughs> I didn't either at first until I read it. And then I was like, oh, we had we had two things up there. I almost knocked my teeth out with my microphone. I'm so excited about that. Oh, my God. So, okay. Only oh, the mirror. There's, wait, there's more. Okay. Um, In his buttocks? Yes. I think that was it. Oh, okay. But. Because I would have been like, only the poop is mine. <laughs> I don't right? know about anything right? else. <laughs> so while searching Robert's person, de- <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. So while searching Robert's person, Deputies felt a soft object in his buttocks. The report says Roberts then said, let me get it, and pulled out a clear plastic bag of marijuana weighing 4.5 grams. Whoa! Right? So he was then asking, he was then asked if he was holding on to anything else, and Roberts said no. Deputies then... he wasn't in his (laughs) hands. I mean, he answered I am holding nothing. So... Deputies then felt another soft object in the same area and pulled that out. 
did they have to pull that one or did he go ahead and retrieve that one for them too <laughs> it sounds like the police had his back on this oh, one no. the object was a bag with 27 pieces of rock cocaine weighing 3.5 grams the report stated That's i mean i'm assuming of... i've never had rock cocaine in my ass so i couldn't i about it sounds like it hurts <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot for one buttocks i'm I just saying think. um when the bag fell to the ground roberts immediately said the white stuff's not mine but the weed is <laughs> so <laughs> roberts was charged with possession of rock cocaine and marijuana i'd say so sir and he probably had a sore buttocks i'm just I, gonna boy, say yes how do you find these i love your brain baths <laughs> It's a gift. I'm just, it's, it's been, I've been blessed. The masturbating, with... pooping <laughs> intruder to rock cocaine and marijuana in, in the, the buttocks. And he only wants to claim the marijuana. There's yep. no explanation for how the rock cocaine got in there. You know, there wasn't in the article, but again, because I'd I love to talk, I, like, I want to interview this man. I know I have questions. I want to know more about his butt. Like, was it in there when they pulled him over? Did right. he panic? Was there also a rubber yeah. ducky? What <laughs> is the situation? What else? What else are in your cavities that you don't know about? Something tells me this wasn't his first rodeo. I'm gonna if say if he not. could get those both I love up how he there. Was like, no, no, let me get this. For yeah, you. I'll, I'll get, I'll it. get it. <laughs> Very chivalrous of you, sir. Thank you. So there you have it. That is your brain wow. bath for today. Okay. Well, well done. And you guys, thanks so much for listening. We love it. And we hope you enjoy our episodes. We hope you keep it curious and keep listening. And until next time, bye, guys. Bye, guys. She's always got the sexiest bye, bye. guys. Bye, guys. <laughs> I sound like a child. Bye, guys. Okay, bye. Bye. You're all bye, guys. <laughs>